0: Chewbacca at episode 9. Is he good? I can't remember.
1: <laughs> I can't remember either. I'm pretty sure he's still alive. Oh yeah, yeah, he's like co-piloting with Daisy now.
0: Oh yeah, she's just traveling the universe, huh?
1: Speaking of universes. What if? That was cool, but also <laughs> we braved the theater once more. Yeah, we're in full swing. I didn't realize that there were no more social distancing regulations. I, I didn't either. Someone came and sat down next to me last night. You're and, like, what the fuck? And I was like, I think there's supposed to be space between us. And he's like, I'm pretty sure the, the seats that I bought. And I was like, oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. It was a packed theater, it was extremely packed.
0: It, it had the energy of like an Avengers film because yeah. I think. Well, not, you know, not quite, but everyone in there had the applause when the opening credits were rolling. What movie did we see? We went and saw the Black Widow premiere. Yes. At our local
1: IMAX theater. imax The real Max. But yeah, we saw Marvel's Black Widow movie that just came out today, last night. Mm Mm-hmm. The first
0: Marvel film since whatever the one, was it this Ant-Man sequel?
1: No, since Spider-Man.
0: Oh, that was the last one. Far From Home, yeah. Dang. Yeah. It's been a while. It's
1: been a while.
0: But we've had a lot of Marvel content since then, in other ways, for the streaming services. Through Disney Plus, yeah. And it was interesting because I'm wondering for a couple of those post credit sequences if it was mm-hmm. supposed to be obviously released last year before the series happened, mm-hmm. like with the introduction of the character from Falcon and Winter Soldier.
1: You're talking about Julia Louise Dreyfus?
0: <laughs> yeah. Valentina or whatever? Valentina. The one who's putting together like Dark Avengers or something? Yeah. B Avengers? <laughs> yeah. B
1: Avengers? Yeah, actually, Kevin Feige said that the only thing that changed due to COVID 19 as far as the releasing of information, was that her character was supposed to first show up in Black Widow. Mm. And so we first saw her in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and that was supposed to be the second time that we saw her, but it just happened in reverse.
0: I kind of like the order that it happened in. Yeah,
1: it's not terrible.
0: It was funny how the audible gasp in the theater happened when she came on screen, and then a second time when she showed Florence
1: Pugh what she'll be doing in the future. That was strange to me. I didn't understand why people were freaking out about that. Do you? It's just when they see a familiar character, they're like, oh my God, it's all coming together. They're going to send her after
0: (laughs) Hawkeye. I, I for one, did not know that she would be in the new Hawkeye
1: stuff. That was maybe the reason people were gasping, because I didn't know that either until I learned about that. I I read spoilers, so I, I knew that she was going to go after Hawkeye before I saw the movie, but hopefully she's in the show. That'd be cool. Yeah. Florence Pugh was great. Florence Pugh is the future of the Black Widow franchise.
0: Well, we're starting the conversation with the post-credits scene. What did you think about the rest of the film? (laughs) Let's talk
1: about the movie. Yeah. Uh, You know, I've been thinking a lot about it since we saw it last night. And this was a solid B movie. For a Marvel film. uh, (laughs) Not like a B movie, you know, for the movie industry. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) For... Out of the Marvel standings, I would grade it like an 84%. So it wasn't a B minus exactly, but it wasn't exactly a straight B. There was like a little step below, and I'll explain why in a second. But let me talk about the good stuff that I enjoyed. First, I really enjoyed this movie for a lot of reasons. I thought it was beautifully directed by Kate Shortland, who's a uh, English director. She did a fantastic job, especially with the emotional scenes. She knows how to shoot Characters interacting, and she just she killed it when it came to that. Every time they had actors working off of each other, she did a great job capturing the emotion, shooting the scene. I loved the blocking a lot, which was a strange thing to call out, but I loved how uh, blocking is a term in filmmaking for how you place characters in an environment. And so I loved a lot of the blocking. Like I loved how Florence Pugh's character yelena was on the floor, not wanting to talk, and the Red Guardian walks in, and he you know, he sits on the edge of the bed and then eventually he walks over at kind of a weird angle for Florence Pugh's eyeline and sits on the couch and sings this song that was reminiscent of their childhood. But this movie was full of a lot of beautiful moments. I loved how they captured kind of the innocence of being a child. And then I loved also how they portrayed the ripping away of the innocence. And that was the kind of, to me, the, the biggest theme of the movie was in the heart of who I mean, I guess we've, we've known this character for over 10 years, but who Natasha ended up being as a person was that she was really trying to regain her innocence back or, or, or kind of look for that family, that thing that fills the hole in your past, you know, the gap. And so I really liked that theme or that device, I suppose, and how they kind of played with, you know, they started the movie off in kind of this really nice kind of quaint way and then they ripped it out from under you immediately and kind of shoved these people into the hard knocks that scene that opening montage which is supposed to kind of mimic because this movie is kind of supposed to mimic kind of like a bond kind of spy thriller movie that opening scene is supposed to mimic kind of like a bond opening that whole montage almost made me cry because it was really hard for me to watch being a father of two girls <laughs> And having these young girls essentially human trafficked and then kind of sold into or submitted into this, I don't know, authoritarian male chauvinistic kind of patriarch. Yeah. Patriarchy. <laughs> it was really hard to watch. And like, I genuinely almost started crying. I was like, oh wow, Kate Shortland had me from the beginning of the movie. Those are my biggest points of like, I couldn't say enough about her as a director. I'm very excited to see, I hope that she sticks around for the Black Widow franchise and directs some sequels because she did a great job, but she lost me a couple times too. And I don't know if it was actually her fault or whose fault it was, but there was a few moments that I didn't like, but why don't you talk about what you liked about <laughs> Black Widow first? Yeah. The highlight
0: for me was honestly just the chemistry of the cast yeah. and the drama they were able to dig into. David Harbour, Rachel Weiss. Um, Florence Pugh and of course Scarlett Johansson they were all fantastic
1: Johansson? Um, Johansson. I guess we can call her Johansson. Johansson? Rachel Rice and Scarlett Johansson. Well, you know
0: from this point forward we'll be using first names. And Florence Pugh. <laughs> but yeah Florence was great she, she was the standout for me I think for most people. People loved your character. Between the comedy and the drama I think she shows her range really well for a Marvel film because usually you know you don't get to show your range as an actor in a Marvel film every time. What did you think of her accent? I know you were like scared about uh, Yeah, it. I'm always apprehensive about, you know, Westerners doing a Russian accent for an entire film. <laughs> but it wasn't that bad, honestly. All of them were fine. David, Rachel and Florence spoke most of the film in their Russian accent because they're Russians. And it was fine. Yeah, it didn't really take me out of it at all. There were a couple points where you could tell the, <laughs> the uh, English or American accents were slipping through, but it was fine. Uh, anyway, so yeah, the the chemistry of the cast, the plot itself didn't really do it for me as far as- i oh, so
1: we're onto the negatives.
0: Oh, we're still doing positives?
1: Do you have any other positives? It
0: was just a fun family movie.
1: <laughs> was, I don't know if it's a family movie.
0: It'd probably be a great double feature with Fast 9 because the power <laughs> of family- Absolutely overcame the bad guy in the end.
1: David Harbour, I have to say, like you just said, was an absolute joy. Anytime he was on the screen, he was just fantastic. I was laughing out loud most of the time. Yeah, they really gave him the opportunity to chew the scenery. (laughs) And it was great. He had a great role. Great writing, too, I think, for his character. All right, let's go to the negatives. You said... Uh, The story. (laughs) (laughs) For me. I remember one of the first things you said when we walked out of the theater was, what was that guy's plan? Ray <laughs> Winstone? <laughs> yeah. Like he had all this at his fingertips. He could basically manipulate the whole world from his fingertips. Yeah.
0: It was just like, what's happening here?
1: Because <laughs> but he didn't. He was just sitting there in his room.
0: Yeah. Ray Winstone, who I love, but who might be also at this point, the most underwhelming villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I have a lot to say about that, I think. In my opinion. It's sort of
1: politically... Oh,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, the social commentary has never been thicker also in a model film. And this especially coming off the backs of Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is also extremely heavy in that area. And there was a line, too, towards the end of the film where they're talking. He's monologuing. He's giving his master villain spiel. And he's like, the greatest... resource in the world girls yeah (laughs) i was like what's happening oh it was just a little on the nose for me because the whole story is basically
1: you know girls being plucked from around the globe to well i think that was I, i don't know if you know this but there's this known statistic that there are more women than men in trafficking no, no, in the world.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like
1: 51 to 49. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I think that's what he was getting. Not of- after
0: Ray Winstone. <laughs> no. Dracoff. But yeah, it's a story about um, human trafficking, specifically female children. But the story itself was just weird because it's like this guy, he's talked about having. <laughs> widows implanted around the globe oftentimes in positions of power Mm -hmm. and I was like what are you doing with this information I was joking after the film like is he just waiting for a client to come around and like (laughs) buy his services (laughs) and the whole like third act for me was just kind of a strange experience because of maybe it was partly due to the editing as well like cutting back to explaining the plan and the deception while they're fighting the villain
1: Uh uh-huh what do you
0: think about the story? The story itself, like the plot.
1: I mean, honestly, you pointing that out kind of made me think about the movie differently because I'm like, yeah, what was happening? He's training these girls. Like maybe it was because he just had this ego, like a huge ego that he just needed to put women into submission or something. And, you know, the whole thing was very feminist, but not in a bad way. I liked how they're like, you just have no heart. I liked how Scarlett or sorry, Natasha said that to Drakeoff in the end. Drakeoff Ray Winstone, Scarlett, Natasha, those are the same people. But uh you think he was just like a Harvey Weinstein stand-in? <sighs> Sorta.
0: He looked more like Harvey than Ray Winston. Yeah, (laughs) totally.
1: No, yeah, yeah. I mean, I. Anytime you treat people, especially women, as objects, you use them as your chess pieces or your your you know your game figurines, and you're playing this massive game with these pieces all over the world. I think, like I said, being a father of two daughters, it's repulsive to me to think about that. So it's different for you. Yeah. When regardless of what his goal was, I mean, he said something like, "I could take out the world if I wanted to." I could reset. Reset the economy and and take out all the world's leaders and stuff you know with the swipe of my finger or whatever but yeah and i agree i don't know what he was actually doing if there was some plan to execute it and he was like waiting for people to dial in and be like like execute order 66 then like maybe that would have given more immediacy to taking down the red room and drake off. but yeah that part i didn't like but the story of the family and like you said the characters all coming together, i did really like so
0: Yeah, the drama was great. I also really liked
1: uh, Taskmaster.
0: Yeah, I have mixed feelings. Taskmaster was very cool, very badass. But I just, it's a little underwhelming, I think, just the fact that she didn't get anything to work with, I guess, as a character. But I'm excited that they'll probably be using Olga Kurilenko
1: moving forward, because she's a great actress. Yeah, and Taskmaster is a huge villain. In the comics, it's a he, and he crosses over into multiple different IPs. So, like, he's a villain of Spider-Man's one day, and then the X-Men, and then the Fantastic Four, and, you know, Black Widow, whomever. But now it's a woman in this cinematic universe, which I'm considering like, it's almost like the 617 because the comic book Marvel universe is earth 616. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like 617 or 618. It's like a different number that's slightly different. So slightly different things happen in this universe. Right. So in this universe, Taskmaster is this woman who's the daughter of the main villain, Rhea Winston's daughter. Yeah. Who he just treats like, again, like a mind controlled pawn and it's terrible to watch. He even said, I can't even, look at her, which is just terrible. It is really hard to watch that. And I'm hoping that we see a lot more of her character going forward, like you said. And I read about, while I was looking up spoilers, I read about an alternate post credit scene where Valentina, Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character, meets up with her and tries to get her to be part of the team that she approached John Walker about in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So maybe they're gonna start the Thunderbolts or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty cool. But I I just wish they had given her a little more to work with.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah.
1: They got a lot of mileage out of the mind control thing in this movie. Yeah. But they introduced a lot. Like they introduced three new characters that could play as protagonists in the future of the MCU. And they introduced a new villain. So while the whole time focusing on Scarlett Johansson and trying to give background to her whole story arc, while the audience already knows that she is dead in the Marvel universe and Sad. also trying to set up the franchise to go forward with the new protagonist of Florence Pugh. So this movie was doing a lot of things. I was confused on some of the backstory. So
0: was Scarlett mind controlled at any point in the past? Like, how yeah. did she get out?
1: Like, that's my, my um, question. <laughs> Of the program, because it sounds like... I think she somehow escaped and then started getting in contact with... Because I don't think the widows were all mind-controlled the same way. It seemed like they were doing different things with different generations of widows or something. Hmm so i think some earlier generations of widows had different sort of mind control steps and so i think that she like somehow contacted shield and wanted to get out and so they were like yeah just killed the guy so that's kind of what happened and so she did she thought that she did and then she started working for shield which was the line that goes all the way back to avengers one when she's talking to uh clint barton hawkeye and they have this conversation about what happened in budapest and mm. that essentially was what happened oh and that's why she talked about having red in her ledger in avengers one and all that stuff so that was like filling that hole it was showing you what happened in budapest you know
0: yeah there were a couple moments in the film because of that storyline that was just kind of a confusion for me like her leaving i mean obviously we discovered they're not really sisters but her leaving
1: florence Mm -hmm. well she uh, says the reason that she did that was because that she thought that she took care of drake off and the red room that she thought she ended it and she thought that at that point all the widows were released and that florence pugh's character was just living her life somewhere yeah you know how
0: about the anti-kill pheromones what do you think about that
1: i mean it's a plot device <laughs> that but, was crazy <laughs> but oh, oh you're talking about how she smelled him and couldn't like kill him yeah because, yeah uh <laughs> anti-stab uh, yeah i mean cologne. that's that's another thing I, I mean i read that kind of talks about rachel vice's character and her kind of role in all this was she was a character that was known as the architect who essentially designed a lot of the tech and the systems that were incorporated in the use of the widows. And so, you know, she kind of, I think, was the one to come up with that probably and implement that into the widows so that they couldn't kill. That was another, yeah, her character was also a little confusing for me at first until I sunk
0: my teeth into it because she turned pretty much like she was still working for the red room. And then she basically flipped immediately (laughs) when these three people come back into her life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't know. I I mean, the
1: power of family.
0: Yeah. The power of family and love transcends dimensions. We've learned.
1: Yeah. I like the whole aspect of like Natasha keeping her heart and like, you know, at least Mm -hmm. kind of having that and being able to still feel something and work for good and like you said power of love Wait. which is nice it's the power of love where
0: is this on the timeline
1: this is this is taking place between a civil war so she's on the run she splits up with steve apparently uh which was another thing about they didn't have any other avengers characters in this movie which was really nice because i think they really wanted for her to carry this movie by herself without having to rely on any other avenger which was nice but so she splits with steve she's on the run and then at the end, she dyes her hair blonde. And when we see her again in Infinity War, she's got the green vest that Florence Pugh gives her. And her hair's a little bit grown out. So you see a little bit of her roots. But yeah. she's, she's blonde in that.
0: <laughs> I had no idea what the vest bit was about until afterwards. And it occurred to me that, oh, that's the vest yeah. <laughs> from Infinity War. Yeah. We had a lot of backstory on the vest. Mm-hmm. It was a nice vest. <laughs> had a lot of pockets.
1: It was a fun bit. I think. Yeah.
0: I, some of the self-referential stuff was a bit much for me. I think I've, I've told you this before. Anytime that the jokes are too meta for me, it's kind of an eye roll moment. It takes me out of the immersion of the film. Even though I love Florence Pugh's <laughs> delivery of the posing bit and the hair flip, it was just kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. we're kind of jumping the shark <laughs> mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. You got to laugh. Got a, I think that had the biggest laugh in the theater. And I was kind of curious about that. I know. Because that, that's what sells, I guess, is self-referential
1: Meta comedy. That kind of brings up the point that I was gonna make about what brings this movie down to a B for me is that there were moments, you know, after the movie started, where it just kind of lost me a couple times. Like the helicopter part where she grabs the Red Guardian and they're flying, they're like hanging onto the rope, and just that seemed really cheesy to me. It was like you know the day after tomorrow, like Pierce Brosnan kind of Bond movie, kind of cheesy. And then there was specifically this moment toward the end where Florence Pugh is going to try to take out the helicopter type thing that has Drakeoff in it he's trying to escape and she's going to put like oh, a yeah. baton down <laughs> She's going to do it, and Scarlet sees her, and she screams at her and goes, Don't do it! And she's like, I'm going to do it! And she throws the thing down, and it blows the whole thing up. And that moment was so unnecessary and so cheesy. And I think if Marvel could just eliminate those kinds of moments from their movies, they would play a lot better. For example, if Scarlet had seen her about to throw this thing down, the shaft, to blow up the helicopter, and Florence looked down at scarlet and they just made eye contact for a second Mm -hmm. and it played that moment without any dialogue yeah it would have played so much better but the way that it was shot the way that they were just screaming at each other back and forth don't do it she's like it's been really fun (laughs) i was just like oh man that took me out of it and there were a few moments of that throughout this movie where it really just took me out of the moment like Gabe was just saying. For you, it's probably more the cheese ball jokes. Yep. For me, it's the bad moments like that. The dialogue and the CG's kind of shoddy. They're both in the center of the frame, and it's clearly a green screen behind yeah. them. Yeah, it just didn't look good. It just, yeah, it was so strange. They could have taken that out entirely, that, <laughs> and it would have been great.
0: That's how they blow up Ray Winstone, right? Yeah. Drake Cobb, right.
1: Ugh... But anyway... Yeah. But it was a fun movie. <laughs> yeah. It still is better than a lot of other Marvel movies, I would say. Like, yeah. gonna I'm not going to name them. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I liked it a lot more than a lot of other movies. I loved getting to see Natasha Romanov's backstory. I loved getting to see all these things that had been hinted at since we first saw her in Iron Man 2 and Avengers 1, that we get to see more of who she is as a character. And they kind of completed her story arc through this movie. That's sort of an in-between cool of fitting in the last phase three of what Marvel was doing with the Infinity Saga. So I really liked it for that reason. I really liked the new characters and setting up Florence P for the future. And I liked Mason a lot, the guy who was sort of the red herring that people thought he might've been Taskmaster. Yeah, the guy
0: who seems like he was there only to be a red herring. Yeah, he was. He, he was the cute. He was her. only there to be a red herring. He was the cue to her bond. Yeah,
1: but I'm hoping we see more of him going forward as well because he's a great actor. I love him from Handmaid's Tale. O.T. Yeah. Fabinle. Something like that. Yeah. I, it's a fancy name. I don't know. Fabennel. I don't he, know how to say it. He was
0: that. great. I was really hoping they'd develop him more as well. But yeah.
1: Well, I'm hoping they will in the future. The biggest, know? yeah, the biggest t-
0: the, This film to me just felt like, like a love letter, like a goodbye to Scarlett because yeah. she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're just teasing upcoming characters and I'm really excited to see all of them actually like have an effect on this universe like Florence and Mm -hmm. more of David Harbour and Mm
1: -hmm. the rest of the characters. So, so far all of taskmaster quote unquote phase four has been, in between you know sayonara to who this character was and here's this new character this new version of this character that's what we were seeing so far it's like a transition phase so i'm hoping it doesn't have to be entirely transition i hope i mean we got shang chi coming up in the Eternals that are completely new ips so i have a lot of hope for those franchises shang chi looks great and so does the eternals so and next next week, Loki finale. Yeah, it's gonna be big.
0: Yeah, I think the reports just came in that, uh, or at least I saw the article today that Loki's been Disney's biggest thing for uh-huh. Marvel. Marvel's biggest Disney Plus. Yeah, in a big way. So it's exciting to see this uh, massive empire, mm-hmm. you know, trotting onward, mm-hmm. the
1: Disney war machine hmm But yeah, I still love Marvel. I'm a huge fanboy for everything that they do. I'm excited for Spider-Man as well. Still no trailer. I'm racked with anticipation. There's a week after Loki ends where Black Widow has already been out for a couple weeks, which is supposed to be before the ramp up for Shang-Chi. So I think people are anticipating July 22nd as the release date of the trailer for Spider-Man. So just saying, because it's that week where it looks like nothing to ramp up. So people are anticipating Spider-Man that week. Anyway. We can only hope. Thank you, Scarlet. Thank you, Florence. Thank you, Kate Shortland. Thanks to Ray Winstone for doing his best Harvey Weinstein. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or Jeffrey. It was so good, man. I liked him in this movie. Yeah, he he was
1: doing his great campy thing, you know, his B-villain. We'll see you on the next Marvel podcast where we're actually going to have some new guests. Wow. I'm going to shake it up. And here is uh, the theme music from the Black Widow movie, a-, a song that should have come out a year and a half ago.